This weekend, we are taking the time to remember what God has done in this space before we move out of it and then demo it and turn it into a new space, part of the the Heartland Kids Wing going forward. It's crazy to me to think that this has been the space where we have met every single weekend for the last 11 and a half years. This has been the space where we have worshiped God together. This has been the space where we have felt God speaking to us, tugging at our hearts and our conscience. This has been the space where we have laughed together and cried together. This has been the space where we've been encouraged and challenged and inspired. These have been the seats that we sat in as God transformed us from the inside out as only he can do. This is the space where we have grown and matured and deepened our faith. This is the space where many of us became more and more true disciples of Jesus. And so before we tear this space down, we want to remember what God has done in it. And we want to thank him for what he has done here. And this isn't just something that I or our team thought would be a good idea. This is something that God himself calls his people to do. All throughout scripture, we see, going back to the very beginning in the book of Genesis, we see God repeatedly calling his people to remember what he has done for them and in their lives. Ironically, the very first Hebrew word that I ever learned was the word zakar. And that's ironic because the word zakar literally means to remember. And so I think it's kind of funny. The first Hebrew word I remember is the word for remember. But it's true. Zakar is the Hebrew word for remember. And for those of you who tend to drift off during my teachings, here's what you should do. You should just count the number of times that I say zakar today and tell me afterwards because it's probably going to be a lot. Yeah, that's what you should do. Just count. And I want to know how many times did I say it, all right? Um, But the word zakar appears in the Old Testament over 200 times. That's how frequently we are called as God's people to zakar, to remember. But there are a couple interesting things about the word zakar. The first thing that's interesting about the word zakar is that it is more than just remembering in a mental or a cognitive way. The Hebrew word for remember, the Hebrew word zakar, actually means to remember and then live differently because of that thought. The the word zakar is not satisfied to be a a remembrance of, of something that happened and then leaving it there. Zakar needs some action, some 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 change to come as a result of it. And so, uh, for example, one Jewish scholar writes about the word. He says that in the Bible, remembering particularly on the part of God, is not the retention or recollection of a mental image, but it is a focusing upon the object of memory that results in action. So the first thing that's interesting about Zakar is that it always comes as a, as a remembrance with action, with purpose and meaning behind it. The second thing that's interesting about the word Zakar is that it's initially always used of God. Now we would think that God would not be someone who needs to Zakar. Does God ever forget anything? No. And yet we're told, especially in the, the, the Torah, the, the beginning books of the Old Testament, that God himself would zakar repeatedly. For example, in Genesis 8, we're told that God zakarred Noah. He remembered Noah, who was floating around on the ark, and because he zakarred him, he caused the waters to subside. In Genesis 19, God zakars Abraham. And because he remembers Abraham, he decides to save the life of his nephew, Lot. And in Genesis 29, God zakars Rachel, and when he remembers her, he blesses her with a child. And so God's remembering always led to action on his part, and he calls his people, 
us to do the same thing. For example, when God frees the nation of Israel from slavery in Egypt, he tells them that he wants them to zakar his act there, that he wants them to remember it by sharing in the Passover holiday every year. That's how they would remember it, by sharing in this holiday. Then when God gives the nation of Israel the Ten Commandments, one of the top ten is that he says, I want you to zakar the Sabbath. I want you to remember the Sabbath by keeping it holy. And so sometimes when God calls his people to remember, he tells them to live differently, but then sometimes he takes it a step beyond that and he says, I want you to actually build a monument. I want you to, I want you to have a physical, tangible reminder of what I have done so that it will help you, Zakar. I want us to look at one of those passages together this morning. It's recorded for us near the beginning of the book of Joshua, and so if you brought a Bible and you'd like to follow along, go ahead and open it up to Joshua chapter 4, but I'll kind of set the scene for you before we start to read our passage for today. This is coming fresh off the heels of the Exodus. The Israelites have spent the last 40 years wandering around the desert, and Moses was leading them during that time, but Moses has now passed away, and the baton of leadership has been handed over to Joshua. Joshua is about to lead the nation of Israel into the promised land, but before they do that, they have to cross the Jordan River, which was separating them from the promised land. Now, to get across the Jordan River was a challenge, and so God tells Joshua, here's what I want you to do. I want you to have the priests carry the Ark of the Covenant, and I want them to go stand in the Jordan River. And when, when their feet hit the waters of the Jordan River, I'm going to stop the flow of water from flowing downstream, and the water will pile up, and the people can cross the Jordan River on dry, dry ground. It was a parallel to the miracle God had performed for this, this people's parents and grandparents when he did the same thing as they crossed the Red Sea, leaving Egypt. Okay, so now we're going to pick up the story in Joshua 4.1. After the people have crossed, but before the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant, before they come up out of the water. We read in verse 1 that when the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose twelve men from among the people, one from each tribe. And tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan and carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you will stay tonight. So Joshua called together the, Israel, or the 12 men who had been appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and he said to them, Go over into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. And these stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. So the Israelites did as Joshua commanded them. They took 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan and they carried them over with them to their camp where they put them down. Joshua set up the 12 stones, and at least as of this writing, they are there to this day. As one final act of closure to the nation of Israel wandering around the desert, God did a miracle in their presence that you would think none of them would ever forget. But God knows what I think we can all readily admit, that we are a forgetful people. We even have a, a saying that goes along with this, out of sight, out of what? Yeah, you know it. Out of sight, out of mind. This is so true for us. And so to help them never forget this incredible miracle, God tells them, I want you to build a monument. 
so that when you look at that monument, when you see it, you will remember what God has done in your, in your past and you will be reminded to live differently because you remember who God is and how he works. Now, when we look at this passage and when we look at other passages where God calls us to remember in Zakar, we see uh, that there are at least several, a handful of reasons that, that God calls us to do this. And so I want us to consider just a few of these quickly this morning. The first reason that we see God calls us to Zakar is because remembering brings us joy. When God blesses us or does something in our life that we couldn't do on our own, we are filled with joy. And we think, God showed up. God has done something here in my presence. I have seen God work, and when we recognize that, we're filled with joy. And then going forward, even after that has happened, when we take the time to think back and to put ourselves back in that place and put ourselves back in our shoes from that, that point in our, our life, we remember what God has done for us. It, is, it fills us with joy again. That's important because as Nehemiah said in Nehemiah chapter 8, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Kind of a famous line that it is the joy of the Lord that is our strength. When we feel weak, when we're struggling, when we're facing situations that we don't have what it takes to overcome, it is the joy of the Lord that sustains us and that strengthens us and that causes us to, to stand back up. And so throughout Scripture, we see God calling his people to, to have tangible reminders of what he has done so that they don't forget, so that their joy is renewed, so that their, their joy is sustained. And we do this naturally, maybe less so with our faith, but we naturally save things that we want to remember kind of as tokens of remembrance, kind of as, as small tangible reminders. Like many of you probably, my office is filled with these things. My office is filled with tangible reminders from things that I experienced or were a part of that I want to remember. And so, for example, I've got a, a jar of rocks sitting on a bookshelf in my office from when I went to Haiti with a team of you, a team of Heartlanders, way back in the early days of the church's history. Uh, there was a big earthquake in Haiti, and so about 13 or 14 of us went down to do some relief work. And on that trip, everybody on the team collected a rock that they wrote a single word on. It was a word that, that they wanted to use to describe my leadership on that trip. And they put them all in a jar and they gave them to me. I've saved that jar of rocks now for over a decade. And whenever I see it and whenever I look at the words on those rocks, it brings back joy and the remembrance of what I experienced with that group of people. Similarly, I have a string of beads that was given to me in Kenya when I was visiting the child that our family uh, sponsors through Compassion International. I'll never get rid of those beads that was given to me by this incredible family. I have a framed poster, kind of a size frame, that my wife put together a collage with all of the different teaching series we did one year here at Heartland, and she gave that to me as a reminder of all that we experienced that year. It's kind of a pivotal year for us here at Heartland, and so I keep that in my office as a reminder. And I have a collection of logo golf balls from all the different courses I've played over the years where I've played really, really horrible, horrible golf. It's like, I don't know why I keep remembering those. I played a lot of bad golf in a lot of places. But you probably have your own list. What are the things that you've collected and saved in your office or in your home that remind you of, of trips you've taken or people who have impacted your life or things that you've experienced? Do you have some of those things that remind you of what God has done in your life, how he has worked in your life, how, how he has, has strengthened you and grown you and deepened your faith? 
We want to be a people, and we want to be a church that remembers those things, because those things fill us with joy, and those things fill us with gratitude, and those things are worth celebrating. So what is it for you? How has God worked in your life that brings you joy? Think about those things, even right now. The second reason that God calls us to Zakar is because remembering reminds us of God's faithfulness. Scripture is filled with promises that God will be faithful. Passages come to mind like Hebrews 10.23, which says, Let us hold unswervingly. Such a great word, unswervingly. One of my memories from growing up as a kid was wishing that my mother would drive the car unswervingly. (laughs) Didn't happen. But we're told, let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess, for he who promised is faithful. God has promised us that he will be faithful, but not only do we have the promise that God will be faithful to us, our lives testify to the fact that God will be faithful. Every single time God works in our life and in our present, it is a promise that he will continue to be faithful in the future. It reassures us that we can can trust him that our hope is secure, we can hold to it unswervingly because we know that God will be faithful based on what he has done in our life. And so when we have those seasons where we start to freak out, we think, well, what if this, and what if that, and what if, what if, what if, we can calm ourselves down and go, you know what? God has never let me down in the past, and he's not going to start now. And that's really good even for me sometimes, especially in this season as it relates to our build-out and this whole project that we're going into. There are times, not a lot of them, but there are definitely times when I kind of start to worry about some of the potential outcomes. And I go, well, what if this doesn't work? You know, what if, what if you know, it just falls apart? Like, what if Cardinal Heights doesn't work out? And what if, we, where are we going to meet? Where are we going to go? What will happen to the church? What will we do? And when I start to worry about those things, I remember back to our early years. And I remember how God worked in those early years, even when there were a lot less of us around. I remember that there were some seasons where things like finances were really tight. And there were times when I didn't know how we were going to pay the bills, but God proved himself faithful every single time, and we never missed a single payment. I remember when our staff team was small, and I wondered how we were going to be able to serve the the church and the community and and reach more people with such a small team. I remember when our team was so small, we could ride to lunch together in one car, a, a compact car, right? We didn't need much space. There were so few of us. And remembering how God was faithful back then reassures me that he will continue to be faithful as we continue to take bigger and bigger steps towards him and towards our community in the future. Remembering how he has proven himself faithful gives me confidence to lead courageously as we go towards our community in ever-increasing ways. I get excited because I look around and I think about our community and I recognize there are so many people who need what we have. There are so many people who need the hope that comes from living life with their Savior and their Creator who are dying to be awakened to him even if they don't know it yet. And I think that's our job. That's what he's invited us to be a part of. That's what he has, the job he has given for us to do. And that gets me excited. I think, let's go. Let's do it, right? So again, let me ask you, what are the things that God has done in your life that has proven himself faithful to you? When were the seasons in your life when you didn't know if you had what it take or, or, or how it would work out, but God somehow carried you through because he proved himself faithful? What were those times? 
What were those things that he did? The third reason that God calls us to zakar is because our remembering serves as a testimony. Even in our passage here in Joshua chapter 4, one of the reasons that God wanted the Israelites to build this monument was for evangelistic purposes. Later in that same chapter, chapter, skipping down to verse 24, we read that God did this for them. God did this so that all the people of earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful. God did not do this incredible miracle simply so that the Israelites would know that the hand of the Lord is powerful. God did this because he wanted the whole world to know that he is powerful. From the very beginning, God's desire has been for all people to be redeemed and restored to him. He doesn't want anybody to be left out. There is no one outside the love of God. There is no one who God doesn't care about. And when people who do not know God come face to face with the harsh reality of this world, they need someone there pointing them to their creator, telling them and reassuring them that there is a God who is real and there is a God who cares about them. There is a God who can sustain them and carry them, who will be faithful if they will just put their faith in him. And that's what we get to do. Our lives are a living, breathing testimony to the people around us. You may not be great with words. I understand that. You may have a hard time articulating your faith and what God means to you, but your actions are more powerful than your words are anyway. And the way that you live your life is a, is a, is a testimony and a reminder that God does still work, that God shows up. And so let me ask you, are you remembering that? Are you remembering that your, your life is a testimony, that your life has the, the potential to impact people around you? Who are the people that God has placed in your life that you have relationships with, authentic relationships who you can, you can encourage and support and invite to church and share your faith with and, and say, I want you to experience what I get to experience. For over 11 years now, We've gotten to see God do all of those things in this very space. And so this morning and this weekend, we want to set aside time to simply remember all of those things. We want to remember how God has worked in our lives as individuals, even outside of this space. But we want to remember this morning collectively what God has done and what we have experienced him doing in this very room. Now, let me be clear. There is nothing special about the the you know, brick and mortar of this room, right? There's nothing blessed about the drywall or the, the chairs that we chose or, or our stage, which we carpeted. Who carpets a stage? I don't know. Whoever owned the building before Heartland. But, but there's nothing special about this room, right? God can work just as powerfully in any environment, in your own home, in your own car, out in nature, wherever you are, God can work just as powerfully. But I want us to, to, to recognize that this has been the space where God has worked so powerfully now for over a decade. That for over a decade, this is the space where he has given us a front row seat to watching him do what only he can do. I, I spent some time thinking this week about all that I've gotten a front row seat to watch God do in this space. And I was overcome with, with memories and emotions of thinking about what God has done. I thought about how this is the space where we have gathered together every single weekend for over a decade to simply worship him and to sing his praises. I thought about the amount of worship that has risen to his ears in heaven emanating from this very room, and I think that's special. 
I thought about the women and men who have led us in worship, how they have ushered us into the presence of God in a special way. I think about the times when we, when we sang or tried awkwardly to sing in other languages. I love when we've done that because it is a great reminder to me that God is not a white man who only speaks English, right? I love to be reminded that there, there are people worshiping and praising God in languages and with words and sounds all across the globe every single day that I will never understand, but they are just as honoring and just as glorifying to God as the words that I choose to use. I think of all the different women and men who have stood in this spot and who have helped us open God's word and help us dig into scripture deeply together and to help us apply it to our life so that we do not hear it and walk away and forget what we heard, but we are transformed from the inside out. I think of the testimony videos we've shot and played on the screens to let Heartlanders share their own stories and be reminded that this is not just something that, you know, full-time pastors experience, but God is working in the lives of our people every single day in all corners of our community. I think about the number of times that we shared in communion in this space and we participated in the body and blood of Jesus. I think about the number of times when people place their faith in Christ and we simply could not wait till the next summer to have a baptism ceremony and celebration so we would borrow hot tubs and bring them in in this room right down here and we would baptize people in the middle of winter in this space. This is where that's happened for the last 10 years. I think of all the goofy games that we've played in our church services, right? All the polls and all the trivia and all the competitions I mean, it's kind of like we've taken a youth group and we just do it for adults now on a bigger scale. That's kind of what we've done now for over a decade. And for me, when I think about what God has done in this space, I am flooded with personal memories. This is the space where I learned to exercise the gift of teaching that God has given me. This is the spot where I've married so many Heartland couples over the last 11 years, and now I'm dedicating their kids, their babies left and right that they've had from those couples that, that I've married. This is the stage where my wife Ashley and I dedicated two of our three kids. We did that right here, and I remember that. And this is the stage where I come in, and for over a decade now, I have just sat in the dark on the edge of the stage, and I've looked around the room, and I've prayed for our church. This is the spot where for over a decade, I've waited till our staff leaves for the day, and the lights are all turned off, and I just come in, and I sit in the presence of God, and I pray for you. For those of you who have asked me to pray for you, for those of you who are going through difficult seasons, this is the space where I've prayed for our community for over a decade, that more and more of them would be awakened to the greatness of knowing their Creator. This is the spot where I've prayed that it wouldn't be just a certain demographic of people, but that we would see people from every corner of society be awakened to Jesus and join in with the family that is the Heartland Church body. This is the place where I've come for over a decade to pray for our services, that the Holy Spirit would move freely around the room during our times together, and that we would walk out of here not having gone through the motions, but having had an encounter with the living God that he would speak to us and that we would walk out of here every single Sunday knowing that we are part of something special. And whenever I think about all of those things and whenever I think about us moving on, 
I can't help but think of this this scene from the last uh, episode of the TV show, The Office. That's kind of a random thing to think of, but that's what came to mind for me this week. And some of you know the scene that I'm talking about. It's the scene where Andy Bernard comes back to his old office and, and he's reminiscing. And he talks about the good old days. And I think in some ways going forward that we're going we're gonna to think back on this season and this room and what God did in this space and we'll remember the good old days. And so before we wrap up, I want to take a second to just watch this short clip. The weird thing is, now I'm exactly where I want to be. I got my dream job at Cornell. And I'm still just thinking about my old pals. Only now they're the ones I made here. I wish there was a way to know you're in the good old days before you've actually left them. I love that line. I wish there was a way to know you're in the good old days before you've actually left them. As I said, I think going forward, we're going to see God do incredible things. In some ways, it may be even better because we're going to have more space for more people to be a part of it. But I think we'll always look back on what God has done in this space, and we'll remember it fondly as the foundation of our church, kind of the first chapter in our church's history together. I think there will be times when we'll go, hey, who was there back in the old auditorium, down at the other end of the building, like that little room, like who was there? And you'll raise your hand, and we'll go, how crazy is it now to see what God is doing? Remember those old days? And so before we leave this space, before we demo this space, I wanted us to have some type of opportunity to thank God for what he did in this space. And so our team, the band, is going to play two songs to wrap up our time together. And you may have noticed when you walked in this morning that we've removed a lot of the sound panels off the wall, and you may even have noticed the Sharpie markers hanging there. What I want us to take the opportunity to do while the band leads us in worship over the course of these next few minutes is for those of you who have been around and have seen God work in this space, for those of you who want to, I want to invite you to take a moment and to walk over to the walls and to grab a marker and to just write a note on the wall to just say thank you, God, for what you've done in this space. Maybe you want to write out a story. Maybe you want to write out how God has worked in your life in this space over the last decade. Maybe you want to simply say thanks for, thanks for all the memories. Thanks for, thanks for what you've done. Thanks for how I've grown. You don't have to do it, but I, w- I want to give us the opportunity to mark this moment as we zakar together. As I was thinking about this space and this room and this environment this week, I couldn't help but think that in some ways this is just an ordinary building and an ordinary space, but in some other ways, I couldn't help but think that this room that we're in right now is holy ground. And when I thought about that, that fact that this is in some ways holy ground, I couldn't help but think about that encounter that Moses had with God in the burning bush. We read the kind of the summary of it in Acts chapter 7, where we read, An angel appeared to Moses in the flames of a burning bush in the desert near Mount Sinai. When he saw this, he was amazed at the sight. As he went over to get a closer look, he heard the Lord say, Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. And what I want to do this morning as you head to the walls and as you write your notes, is I want to invite those of you who want to, in recognition that in some ways this is holy ground, to simply take off your shoes. Like God called Moses to recognize the place where he was standing was holy. I want to invite you to recognize that the place where we are today is holy. 
I want to invite you to take off your shoes as you write those memories. Again, you don't have to do that. For those of you who are brand new to the church, you should know this is not something we do all the time, <laughs> right? Like, this is about as crazy as we get around here, okay? You're like, what kind of church did I come to today? No, it's just this is one last time. This will be the last service you ever worship in in this space. And so as you remember what God has done in this room, I want to invite you to, to recognize this as holy ground, to head to the walls, and to write your reminder, and then to come back to your seat and to worship together, and I'll come back and wrap up our time together. With me? Lord, for the last 11 plus years, we have had a front row seat to watching you change lives and eternities in this space. And Lord, we are so grateful. We're so grateful that we get to be a part of it. We're so grateful that we get to see you work. We're so grateful for the ways that you have proven yourself faithful and worked in our own lives. And God, we pray that you would do even more in the months and years to come. That this would just be the beginning and the foundation that's been laid. But as we move next week to Cardinal Heights, we would see you do an incredible work in that upper middle school. And Lord, we pray that you would bless the build-out process here and that when we move back, we would see an ever-increasing number of people in our community awakened to the glory of you, the one true living God. Lord, again, we want to just say thank you as we remember. It's in your son's name that we pray. And everyone who agreed said, amen. <laughs>